You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I am your host, Damon Martin, and today my special guest co-host, and I do say special because she's about to compete for UFC Gold against Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight title in a matter of days right now. Let me welcome in Lauren Murphy. Lauren, how are you, and are you excited when you hear that? Yeah, it is exciting. I'm looking forward to Fight Week, too. I love Fight Week, and this one's going to be, like, extra cool. You know, so I'm pretty jacked up. I'm in really good shape. Uh, I've been having good sparring sessions. Um, just really been enjoying the last little bit of camp. And, you know, we've done this so many times now that it's like I've really kind of learned how to relax into the process and enjoy it. And um, I think I'm enjoying the process more than I ever have. So it's, it's been it's been cool. I'm looking forward to the rest of it, too. Yeah, you have, uh, you know, you, obviously you've been, you know, in this sport for a while. You've accomplished great things. You've fought everybody. Uh, but what does it mean to you to finally get a chance to compete for, for a UFC title? Because you know, not every fighter dreams of this. Not, you know, some fighters are just in it for the money, and that's fine. But what does it mean to you to finally get a chance to compete for, for UFC gold? You know... Uh, it just, you know, pays off, like perseverance pays off. And I, I think that's not only been the story kind of, of my fight career, but the story even before, you know, pick myself back up and try hard. And, um, um, there's been times in my fight career where I've had some like pretty humiliating defeats and had some setbacks and some roadblocks. And it's like sometimes knocked down and, you just have to get back up and keep training, persevering, and um, try to make yourself better. And it's go fight for a world title. I think I have a really great chance at winning it. And so this one's for like this one's for all the people out there that you know maybe started from the bottom. You know now now we're here. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you, uh, your, your story, your personal story has been documented very well in terms of like, you know, getting into MMA in a much different way than a lot of people getting into it later than other people. And again, you've gone through so much in your career. You've been the underdog. You've been here. You know what it's like to be the underdog in, in life and then kind of persevering and kind of coming out on the other side of that. Uh, I know it sounds like a weird question, but do you feel like that actually helps you going into a fight like this where, you know, Valentina has been such a dominant champion and we all know how good she is. There's no secret to what she's done well and the, and the accomplishments she's put together during her uh, incredible career. But do you feel like having been here in that kind of way before kind of helps you? Because some people, some people struggle under this kind of moment. You know, it feels like you've gone through it all. You're ready for this moment. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Not, not just uh, going through the moment, but like, I'm enjoying it. I love this. So it, it's, it doesn't make me nervous to be the underdog. Like I'm very, very honored to go fight such a dominant champion. And uh, I don't know, you can't be the greatest upset of all time if you're not the biggest underdog. So I, I like it. I like being in these kinds of positions and it, it really makes me feel like I can just be free and go out and do my very best and be free to be me. And uh, there's really nothing to lose in that. And so all the pressure I feel like is on the champion in this. And I don't feel a lot of pressure going in, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool spot to be in. Yeah. Now Valentina, you know, she's earned the respect she's, she's gotten. I mean, she's an amazing champion, amazing fighter. When you look at her resume at 125 pounds, I mean, I think she's lost what around or maybe two at most, if I can think, I'm trying to think of it was every mid two. I know she lost one round, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in one fight, uh, during during that run against Jennifer Maya, I think, and that might be the only one I can't really remember. Uh, but we've seen this kind of unbeatable aura before. Anderson Silva had it for a long time. I think John Jones had it for a long time, where opponents would go in and and it feels like they're already down ten nine on the scorecards. You know what I mean? Like they're just facing such a dominant champion, it takes them out of themselves. Um, how do you deal with that part of it? You know, do you do you just put it out of your mind? Do you say, "Hey, I know she's good, but you know, I'm better." Like, how do you deal with that? Because there is a certain aura around a Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, you just you know you have to keep in mind like I'm there to fight the body and not fight her reputation, and um, I repeat that to myself a lot. And um, there's a lot of really great examples of really great upsets out there of you know super super dominant champions that were upset by a really uh, like unsuspecting you know uh, uh, what's the word I'm unassuming uh, unassuming underdog. So. Um, yeah, I think I have. I think that on that night, I have the best chance of anybody in the world of beating Valentina Shevchenko, and I love that. I like my odds. <laughs> <laughs> let Let me ask to that point, uh, Lauren, because it's kind of weird. Because when you first came in the UFC, and this is before I knew you, so I'm I'm proud to say this. Uh, when you first came in for Invicta, I said I think Lauren has got championship credentials because I saw you fight Invicta, and I said, man. Uh, I looked at you and I said, this is a, this is somebody I believe will challenge for a UFC title one day. Now, uh, you've had some couple bad decisions along the way. You've had some ups and downs, but obviously dropping down to flyweight. Now you're on this huge win streak and everything. Uh, but do you feel like, like when people say upset, when people say, and, and again, it's going to be an upset because obviously she's the champion, you're a contender. That's just the nature of the beast. But do you believe it's as big of a, an upset as it is? Or do you kind of embrace that to people are saying, oh my God, she's this massive underdog. 
then it would be the biggest upset in the history of the sport. Like, I don't feel that way, honestly, about this fight. Like, yes, you're an underdog for a reason because Valentina is an incredible champion, but I don't think it would be that big of an upset. I mean, you're a great fighter, but do you embrace that also? Hey, man, come on, give it to me. Let me, let me, let me show that I'm the greatest upset of all time. You know, I don't really think about it that much. Honestly, like, I, I don't. Uh, I don't lay in bed when I think about the techniques that I want to execute. And um, I try to keep in mind the things that my coaches have taught me and to, um, you know, execute that kind of stuff in sparring and and make it second nature. And, and really, that's what I think about, because I think, you know, I'm trying to think of like strategy and technique and not worry too much about what anybody else thinks about the fight or what they think about me or what their opinion is on my career, because like that'll drive you crazy, man. So <laughs> I think I just for me, I honestly really don't think about it that much. I, I just try to think about what I want to do in the fight and not about how everybody feels about the fight. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, you know, you've, you've been here, you've been in those dog fights, you know what it's like to have to grind out a win. You know what it's like to, uh, you know, have to, you know, win that third round to win the fight, those kind of situations before, um, Valentina has been there. Don't get me wrong. Obviously she had, you know, that really, really close fight with Amanda Nunes, not that long ago, but she's been kind of you know, running ahead of the race so much lately. She really hasn't been put in those positions in a while, uh, do you feel like that might be, I don't know. I, I look at this fight and I think that that could be a slight difference. Like if it gets down where it's two rounds to two rounds going in that fifth round, you know what it's like to gut out and pull out that fifth round. You know what it's like to go out there and gut out that win. Like, do you feel like that kind of, that kind of attitude, that kind of bulldog attitude, you know, can be an advantage for you in this one? Um, I don't know about it. Valentina has so much experience. Like, outside the UFC, you know, and fights and IFMA. And, like, she's been competing at a high level for a very, very long time. And I'm sure she's had matches outside of the UFC where she had to dig deep and find a way to win. You know, um, I, I, I would be shocked to find out that she's just been a dominant champion her entire life. I'm sure she's had fights in other organizations and in other, uh, like, in other sports, like boxing and kickboxing, where where she did have to dig deep and, and find a way to win. So um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that that's like an advantage for me, but I do know how tough I am and I know how, I know how to grind in a fight. I know how to grind in life in general. And um, like, I'm just a hard worker through and through. And so I, that's one thing that I, I think gives me confidence is I really believe in my ability to grind out when I need to. Yeah, I love this matchup, and like I said, I think you've earned it, and, and, and obviously you've done what you need to do to get here. You've you've seen the ups and downs of the sport, and uh, you know, you'll know you probably be more excited you know, once you have a UFC title around your waist, but I'm just excited for you, Lauren. It's just like a long time coming, and I'm just glad you finally got, you got here, you got this opportunity, because uh, I think you could argue it could have come one fight sooner, but you went out there, you did your thing, and now here it is, and I, I, if I'm excited, I gotta imagine you're super excited. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty jacked up and I, I didn't want it. I didn't really want it one fight sooner. You know, it's like um, it would have been hard to call for a title shot off of a off of a win over a short, you know, a short replacement girl like uh, Lilia Shakarova, who I think she just got cut from the UFC. So it's like you don't for me, I wouldn't even want a title shot off a fight like that, because how could you possibly have any confidence going in? You know, these girls that shoot straight to the top, they win like two fights and then get a shot at the title or, 
you know, they lose a couple and then win like one and have a bunch of weight misses. Like, I don't understand how they could go into a matchup like that with any confidence because you don't really have any like good experience to draw on. So I'm actually really grateful that I got to have so many fights before fighting for the title. I'm glad that I've had a lot of up and downs and um, I'm glad that, you know, I had my experience at bantamweight too, because it's all, it all serves to give me confidence and experience going into this fight. And um, even stuff like just, you know, learning how to handle the media and learning how to handle myself during fight week. And, you know, the end of camp when things get really stressful, like there's a lot of media to do. And um, Houston is going through a little tropical storm right now. So like some of the gyms are closing and like, I just feel like I can draw on all my experience to stay relaxed and kind of roll with the punches and not let get to me and and that's so glad that i've had all that experience leading up to this fight and i i really would not feel confident if i only had a few fights in the ufc or if i had shot to the top really really fast or something like that because how how could you possibly look at a champion like valentina and be like oh yeah i think my two fights are going to serve me well here that's <laughs> no yeah well, this is the situation, and, and, I'll, and I'll close out on this before we get to some other topics, but, uh, you know, Valentina has been a great champion, and, and I said this to, I remember saying this to Chris Weidman before he fought Anderson Silva the first time, and I kind of said to somebody else, you know, within the last couple of years when you fight of a dominant champion, you got to imagine, you win uh, UFC 266, you become champion, you're going to see Valentina again, right? Like, this is not going to be a one-and-done kind of situation. Uh, yeah, Maybe. Who knows? It just kind of depends on how it goes, like on how I win and, and, you know, how she's feeling like it's it's um yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, Lauren, uh, as we get into some other uh, topics here, uh, I noticed and one of the reasons beyond your own fight I want to talk to you is because uh, this last Saturday night we had another thriller event. And, and I've been doing this podcast for like four weeks now. And I feel like I've talked about boxing more than I've talked about MMA because all the wildness going on with Jake Paul fighting Tyron Woodley and Vitor Belfort fighting Evander Holyfield. And obviously Anderson Silva uh, knocking out uh, Tito Ortiz. Uh, I know you tweeted about it briefly on, on Saturday night. Uh, everyone's got a different opinion on these kind of, I, I, you know, these kind of boxing events that have featured a lot of MMA fighters and like, for every Anderson Silva moment where you're like, man, it's so awesome to see Anderson go out there and do his thing. Uh, there's been a couple other situations where you're like, man, I kind of, kind of wish that fight hadn't happened. Uh, where, where do you, where do you sit on this whole like explosion of boxing events that suddenly are featuring MMA fighters, uh, in the marquee fights? Dude, if they're making money, do their thing. If they're making money and having fun, how can anybody like talk down about that? You know, if, that's like they're living the dream they're making money they're doing what they love they're having fun get that bag you know what I mean? <laughs> do your thing and it, it was cool to see anderson silva get such a smooth win you know i think like really tito ortiz has played the heel for a long time so it was cool to see anderson silva like step up and be the face and you know get a cool like feel good win that everybody liked to see so yeah i mean i'm gonna tune into those things i didn't i did not watch the last one with the with holyfield and silva and and tito ortiz i didn't watch it i just kind of watched replays on twitter and followed along on twitter but yeah i'm gonna order up a thriller event if it's something like you know ben Askren fighting whoever or um tyron woodley you know like i th i think it's cool like it's cool that those guys can go out and, and make a bunch of money and um get that kind of experience and 
you know, be treated the way that they're treated with that promotion and make the money that they're making. That's really it. I mean, those guys make a couple million dollars to go out there and have a boxing match and we're all tuning in and watching it. Like, yeah, do your thing. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I think there's like, like part of me, like, you know, 10 years ago in MMA, you know, you, you pretty much had to be UFC or bust. I mean, you know, obviously when strike forces around, you know, they're out there, obviously Bellator's around now, but nowadays like there's options where you could actually go, go to boxing and make a couple million dollars for a fight like that. That wasn't really available three or four years ago. Uh, and also like, like watching Anderson Silva go out there and he had that boxing match with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And now with Tito Ortiz, like he looks like he's having so much fun. He looks like the happiest guy in the world. And I'll be the first to admit watching him lose to Uriah Hall kind of broke my heart. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I kind of hope Anderson walks away. I don't want to see him get hurt. He's 46. Like he's a legend, one of the greatest ever. I just, I don't want to see him go down like that. And now like, I'm like, I can't wait for Anderson's next boxing match. I can't wait to see what he does next. Like it's kind of crazy how this guy has reinvented his career at 46 with two boxing matches. Yeah. Yeah. It's badass. I mean, when I'm done competing in MMA, I still want to compete in jujitsu. Obviously like the money and the prestige isn't there, but it's like when I'm done competing in MMA, I still want to compete and I want to do something that I love. And for me, I have goals in jujitsu that I still want to accomplish. And I think it's the same thought process with those guys, only they're making millions of dollars doing it, which is awesome. I never really dreamed about like going into boxing when I was done with MMA um i would do it obviously if somebody was like hey here's a couple million like go box (laughs) this boxer i'd be like hell yeah let's do it (laughs) but i think that it you know it's along those same lines those guys still want to be competitors they still want to get out there and test themselves they still want to compete um and it's a you know it's a sport that that is part of mma and so it's not something they're totally inexperienced in and you know like the cherry i think on the cake of it is that they get to make a shitload of money doing it and um that's badass man i don't understand how anybody could like look down on that or think that it's a bad thing yeah i mean i think it's a whole different animal when it's tired when it's tyron woodley who is you know whatever 39 years old you know four fights removed from being a ufc champion anderson silva going out there looking amazing uh and again i'm not a boxing guy i'll be honest i i watch the big fights i'm not a huge boxing guy but like I draw the line at Evander Holyfield. I'm like, okay, 58 years old, hasn't fought in like 11 years, and they wouldn't license him the last time he couldn't he couldn't get a fight, and I think it was New York. And Vitor, like, Vitor is still an animal at 44. Like, Vitor's still an animal at 44. Now, I don't think Vitor's going to go out and knock out, you know, Tyson Fury. I think that, you know, that's ridiculous. But against yeah. a 58-year-old Evander Holyfield, like, so, like, that's where I draw the line. Like, I don't want to see Chuck Liddell do this. Like, Chuck has gone, I love Chuck, he's a legend, one of the greatest ever, but, like, watching him lose to Tito a couple years ago kind of broke my heart. I'm just like, ah, I don't want to see that for these guys. So, like, I feel like, like, there's a, there's a line to be drawn. Like, even for a couple million dollars, I'd be like, I don't want to see Chuck go through that. I definitely don't want to see Evander Holyfield do that again. Uh, but then like you look at Anderson, who's 46 ages, 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 nothing but a number. When you talk about how truly prepared they are for a fight, Vitor and Anderson, 44 and 46, still looking like animals, Evander Holyfield, and maybe like a Chuck Liddell. Let's just put down the gloves. That's kind of like where I draw the line. Yeah. But then, I mean, you still bought it and watched it. Right. So like, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't want to see it, then don't buy it. And then people don't buy it. Then those guys aren't going to get offered millions of dollars to do these fights. So like, 
you know, as consumers, uh, and not not you, but like the royal you, like the, you know, as consumers, like we all have to kind of put our money where our mouth is. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to see like um, somebody that's all jacked up on TRT or whatever getting out there and beating the shit out of an old dude either. Like, I really don't want to see that, and so that's why I didn't fucking order that fight last weekend. <laughs> you know, like, so. Uh, I did want to see Tyron Woodley box, you know, and I did want to see like the spectacle that was, you know, Ben Askren fighting whichever Paul brother he fought or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I want to, I wanted to see that. So I'll put my money where my mouth is. I ordered those legit and watched them at the house, but yeah. So uh, I, I feel you. There's, there are some guys out there that I'm just not interested in watching anymore. And so I'm not going to. It's kind of crazy though, at this stage in the game where, you know, I like I'm with you on the on the fact that I'm I'm excited that these guys and and hopefully eventually girls too. I don't know when they're going to get more women's fights, but like I ho- I'm glad they can make money doing this. Like you know, the Tier Tire Woodley say he made you know how much money he made millions of you yeah. know, two million dollars or whatever it was to box Jake Paul. When you saw Tyron after the fight, like I saw him, I was at the fight. Uh, he looked fine. Like he didn't take a, he didn't take really any damage. It wasn't like he got beat up. And and I guarantee you, his body didn't probably go through the same kind of torture you know for that camp as he did for mma no offense to boxing but you know mma fighters and i know this because i know enough of them obviously you are a fighter you put your body through hell going through a training camp i always hear the one thing i always hear from every fighter the fight's not the hard part the training part the training camp is the hard part that's where you put yourself through hell to get ready for the fight i guarantee a tyrant didn't do to his body for that boxing camp what he did for an mma fight uh and he made two million dollars like how can you how can you not cheer for that yeah, a hundred percent. So I, I work out at Main Street Boxing in Muay Thai and they have some just incredible boxers there. Uh, Regis Proget and um, Austin Trout work out there and um, just some high level guys that are super fun to watch. And um, I, I would say they don't do the workouts that like MMA fighters put themselves through where it's like, you know, we're like um, doing like sprints and then lifting and then having a hard wrestling practice and then sparring and then grappling. And then, you know, that's all done before Tuesday afternoon of the week, you know, and boxers, um, I think they run a lot. They do a lot of jumping rope, you know, they have their workouts that they do. But one thing I will say about the boxers is they spar hard. So the guys that I see at main street, they spar three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they spar their asses off. And I'll watch those guys do eight, 10, 12, 12 rounds back to back to back and it to me that's crazy because if you try to get me in there doing boxing rounds like that i'm gonna gasp pretty quick you know it's just so different than mma so definitely it's a it's a different lifestyle almost that that they live than us but but they put in their work too you know so but yeah i don't think tyron woodley or um ben Askren went through the same shit that they did you know when they were wrestling at a high level or when they were competing in mma at a high level and those guys have competed at the highest levels you know so yeah so what do we think like four years from now whatever it is you know five years from now whatever the time is that lauren murphy's retired lauren murphy ronda rousey two million dollar boxing <laughs> payday is that like or can we can we see that is that possible dude yeah if they're gonna pay me two million dollars i'd box my own mother uh now lauren you you obviously you know you you you, again i've I've talked about it we mentioned earlier you you kind of had a unique 
entry in the sport in the way you came in, but we're in a different age now where there's no, there's no right or wrong way to get into mixed martial arts. We've seen it come from a lot of different directions. Now, these days, a lot of people are coming in, you know, they're training MMA as a teenager. You know, they're starting MMA at 14, 15, and then t- they're taking their first pro fight at 18 or 19. And some fighters, like some of the fighters in like one championship are making pro debuts at 16 uh, and things like that. So there's no right or wrong way to make an entry into MMA. But one of the big stories this past week was 2020 Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson had flirted with was he going to do MMA? Was he going to go back to wrestling or was he going to go to WWE and become a professional wrestler? Now, ultimately he ended up signing one of these new name image likeness deals with WWE. He's going to become a professional wrestler, but he is going back to college to wrestle for another year, which I totally respect. And I think that's pretty <laughs> awesome. But I put a tweet out last week and I got, I got a varied mix of responses. Cause I said, you know, the story goes like this, that, that he talked to the UFC or the UFC talked to his people. And the idea was that they said, you know, go get some regional wins and then come through the contender series. And that is a very legit path to getting in the UFC these days, much like the ultimate fighter uh, has been and still is, you know, from years to come. But I argued, and I want to get your opinion on this. And this is obviously part of the debate here is that you know, I was like, listen, Gable Stevenson to me, is a once in a lifetime athlete. He's a he's a heavyweight wrestler, which you know, <laughs> heavyweight wrestling's come a long way from what it used to be. Heavyweight wrestling used to be these two big, you know, giant bear looking dudes just kind of like crashing into each other. Now, like you're getting some seriously athletic guys at heavyweight. He's 21 years old, all the potential in the world, already making buzz in terms of like talking to media and getting the buzz out there. And I mm-hmm. was like, to me. Signing Gable Stevenson to a to a UFC contract, and even if it's an NIL deal for right now, like a name rights deal, and then you know bringing him in like a year from now or maybe two years from now, to me that's an investment for the future. Does that mean Gable Stevenson's going to be a champion? No, there's no guarantee. But there's no guarantees with anybody. I mean, you know, Mauricio Shogun, who is a legend, he lost his first fight in the UFC. There's no guarantee that guy. Mirko Krokop, one of my favorite heavyweight fighters ever. I would have told you, I would have bet my house that he was going to be a UFC champion. Never really came that close. Uh, I don't know. Like to me, investing in a guy like Gable Stevenson is an investment in the future. You, you, you invest in the, in the prospect that he can become a superstar. Am I wrong? I don't know. How do you feel about like, should the UFC or any organization for that matter, make an investment in kind of an unknown and kind of an untested product, but the potential's there. Well, yeah. And I mean, who's to say they didn't, do that i mean so go get they told him go get some regional wins i'm sure they were willing to put him on a development deal and then bring him into the contender series to showcase him before signing him to the ufc which i i think is like a great way to bring somebody up so other you know there's been other people that have been been put on you know development deals that i know of that were able to go compete on the regional scene and kind of get that experience and it was really really good for them um, you know, there's there's some superstars in the UFC, like uh, Henry Cejudo fought on the regional scene. Mackenzie Dern fought on the regional scene. Uh, Demetrius Johnson fought in Alaska on the regional scene in Alaska before he was signed to the UFC. And these guys, you know, they're some of the best fighters in the world. And I think you, it's important to bring a fighter up, right? Like we were just talking about how grateful I am that I had so many up and downs and had so many fights before getting to this level because it can be a lot of pressure and it is very real. This is not the WWE where it's kind of scripted and, and um, you know, what's going to happen. And, and um, 
this is this is the realest shit on earth. This is the this is the fucking UFC. This isn't a game. And so um, to I think to bring somebody up like that, especially somebody like Gable Stevenson, that's going to have so many eyes on him and could be such a force. It's important to give them that experience before they come into the UFC. You can't just take a guy like that, give him a couple, you know, a couple easy fights and then throw him in there with like Stipe Miocic or something like that's. I mean, you're just asking for a disaster and then all this money and time that you've invested into this prospect is going to be wasted because, you know, they get smashed on super fast. That's a huge chance for the UFC to take. So I think it was actually probably pretty smart for them to be like, yeah, go get some regional experience. Let's see how you do, you know, see how you do uh, in a fight. You know, MMA is um, the unexpected happens all the time and people get hurt bad sometimes. And so, you know, a guy like Gable Stevenson probably can take care of himself and handle himself both in the media and in the cage, but experience there's man experience counts for a lot, a lot, a lot. And so for the UFC to want him to have that before they, before he came in, I think was probably the right move. Now let me, let me offer a counter argument to that Lauren. Here's because, because I'm like, to me, I think Gable Stevenson's the kind of guy you just throw the checkbook at and say, Maybe he'll become a champion, maybe not. But the per, the, the 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 perspective, the 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 you know the talent is so deep with him. You got to take that chance. Now MMA is a different animal than a lot of their sports because you know a kid playing basketball in high school, you see him playing basketball, and you know a, a college recruits him, and then there's like a you know there's a system to get up to pro basketball. I guess what I'm getting at. Baseball, same way. Football, the same way. We don't really have that with MMA. If you're fighting, you know what I mean. Like you're fighting as a professional. It's it's a little different animal than, and you can do amateur, but again, still different animal with with MMA and and other sports. Um, here's the counter argument I'll make though, because Brock Lesnar is my counter argument, and the reason I say this is Brock Lesnar was an NCAA champion from the University of Minnesota, just like Gable Stevenson. After college, he got recruited by everybody. He went to WWE, became a superstar, became a massive global superstar. And then when he left WWE, he wanted to do fighting. Now, he did take one fight in K1. I do remember that. He smashed some guy in K1, one and no. But then he comes to the UFC right after that, and they're paying him, you know, seven figures, big money. And, and he earned it. I mean, when you say earned it, Brock was a superstar. You can't say he didn't earn it because he was selling pay-per-views. Now, he comes in on day one and fights Frank Mir, which is insane to me when you think about a second pro fight. You're fighting freaking Frank Mir, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Seems lunatic to me. He lost, yeah. and then he comes back. But here's my argument. The UFC paid Brock Lesnar a boatload of money for his second pro fight, and then they ended up, their investment paid off because Brock became champion. He became one of the most profitable fighters in the history of the sport. Now, I know Gable Stevenson, there's no guarantee but here's my issue. Here's where I argue with this. Let's say he goes to WWE, which is what he's doing. He's going to become a professional wrestler. And let's say he does great. Let's say he becomes Brock Lesnar. He's the next Brock Lesnar. He's a superstar, you know, all over the place, headlining WrestleMania, all the big events, all that kind of stuff. And then six years from now, he decides, I finally want to be a fighter. Now, maybe he does end up doing one fight like Brock. But at that point, the UFC... They might offer him a seven-figure deal to say, come in and make your debut. I mean, they did that with CM Punk. They paid that guy $500,000 for his first fight, and he got mollywopped by Mickey Gall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my argument is, like, you're going to – this is – there's a – and I know this is all a possibility. Everything's a possibility. There's no guarantee. But there's a possibility five years from now we're talking about Gable Stevenson making his UFC debut, except this time – 
for his first pro fight or potentially second pro fight, they're going to pay him seven figures. To me, it's like, why not pay him, you know, a hundred grand right now and make the investment in him? I don't know how much WWE's paying. Maybe it's so, you know, out astronomical the UFC couldn't even begin to match it. I don't know. But like, why not pay him a hundred thousand dollars right now? Let him go to college, let him do his thing, fund his, you know, fund his dream. And then bring him in like that. And you made the investment in him at that point. Like, that's my only argument. It's like, because I feel like five years from now, they may end up paying him seven figures for his first fight, just like Brock or just like CM Punk. Yeah, but then he'll be worth it because he's bringing millions of eyes with him. You know, those guys like uh, Brock Lesnar and CM Punk had millions of fans from the WWE before they came. And so they brought all those eyes with them. Gable Stevenson is not that level yet. He doesn't have millions and millions of fans. How many Twitter followers does he have? Not that many. I mean, I think like 100,000, something like that. Yeah. So he's not he's not Brock Lesnar yet. And maybe he could be. And I'll tell you, if the UFC wants him in five years, they will get him. The UFC gets what the UFC wants. Like they have a lot of fucking money. <laughs> and if they if they want that kid in five years when he's already a superstar and they want to bring him in and and then make a you know billions of dollars off of him and all of his fans that he's gonna have in five years, then for sure. Yeah, it's a weird one because I get it. Like, you're making an investment in the future, and it's a gamble. They just recently, and I'm not sure if you saw this, Lauren, they just recently signed Alex Pereira, the uh, the glory, former glory champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I who saw has the that. Knock, yeah, he has the knockout over Israel Adesanya, and he's got some MMA experience. He's got a few fights, I think like four fights or something like that. But, like, to me, that's a gamble, too, because, like, wrestlers, and I'm again, I'm a wrestling guy. I fully admit I'm a wrestling guy. Uh, wrestlers have always made an easier transition in MMA than I think any other art form, even like ju- even yeah. jujitsu, like great jujitsu fighters we've seen get, you know, just, you know, look at Crone Gracie the guys got all the credentials in the world. And, you know, when you go up against a freaking Cub Swanson, that's a big step in competition. Uh, same thing with strikers we've seen throughout history. Great kickboxes. I'll never forget. Do you remember Stefan Laco? Do you remember that name back in the day? The old K1 guy? Uh, Stefan no. Blitz Laco. He was like this huge K1 guy back in the day. Everyone made a big deal about him coming to MMA. And he just got, I think he got like dismantled his first fight because he couldn't stop a takedown. Uh, but like, yeah. that's a gamble. I think Alex Pereira is all the talent in the world. And I hope he does great. And boy, I tell you what, him and Adesanya would be huge if you just watched the highlight yeah. of their last fight. But that's a gamble too. Like, there's no guarantee Alex Pereira is going to develop into a real challenger for Israel Adesanya. I guess. I guess what I'm getting at, it's all kind of a gamble, right? Absolutely. Remember Gokan Saki, and he was yeah. a great striker, and then he got starched by Khalil Roundtree, right? <laughs> and that was a fight that I think they were like really counting on Gokan to win, and he never really became a huge name in the UFC. I couldn't even tell you if he's still signed or not. So, I know that. Um, yeah, things change in those four ounce gloves and any anybody that comes in from any skill set is taking a huge risk, you know, because MMA is all of it. And so it is beneficial to start training MMA as a whole when you're young, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in a much different era now where you can actually do that. And people are actually doing that. And uh, like I said, I'm a wrestling guy. I admit I'm a wrestling purist. So like when a guy like Cable Stevenson comes along, I'm just like, throw your bank book at him. Just give him everything he wants and sign him. Because <laughs> uh, I just think the potential is there. But listen, like I said, good for him. And, and the one thing I will say, I will compliment. I'm glad he's going back to college for another year. Like he's serious about wrestling. 
he found someone to pay him some money and he wants to go back. Like I, I can, I respect that because I think, you know, wrestling needs stars. Uh, we've seen all the wrestling programs and colleges that have gotten taken away or gone out of business. Basically. Uh, I'm yeah. glad Gable's going back for another year. Cause like, that's a guy you want representing the United States on the biggest stage in the world. A hundred percent. And um, hopefully he does come over to MMA at some point and the UFC throws the book at him and gives him a bunch of money. Like, I hope that that he makes a ton of money doing what he loves. And I think he's on the right path to do it, you know, and he'll go get some great experience in the WWE. He'll learn how to handle the media. He'll learn, you know, how to be under. Like, bright, bright lights. Because, uh, yeah, there is no guaranteeing wrestlers, high-level boxers, high, you know, high-level any sport comes over. And then, man, fighting is just a different is a different animal. Yeah. That spotlight in the UFC octagon, man, that is like the, when they say it's the proving ground, it really is. Because that is, it is a whole other animal stepping in that cage with you know 25,000 people in an arena, millions of people watching around yeah. the world. And, and you got an animal in front of you. That's a whole other different beast than, uh, than anything else you're doing. Right. <laughs> those lights are those lights are bright and um there's some incredible fighters out there just incredible incredible fighters that um you know maybe maybe are jack of all trades master of none but man they can fight their asses off so that's yeah. one of the things we love about mma right that's why we watch it because like you never know what's going to happen and are we back yep we got you we got you yeah, no, it is. It's the it's okay, the cool. it, it is the ultimate proving ground. And to that point, uh, Lauren, you've got your own proving ground coming up at UFC 266, title fight with Valentina Shevchenko. I'm super excited for this fight. As I said earlier, yes, uh, I sir. can't say I can't say thank you enough for taking the time to do Fighter versus the Rider with me today, uh, especially with your fight coming up so close. So thank you for doing this. I really do appreciate. It. Have a good rest of your training camp. I know it's almost wrapped up at this point, uh, but stay safe, yeah. safe travels, uh, enjoy the fight, and uh, everything goes well. You come out with the championship. Will you be my first UFC champion to to, to co-host the show in a couple weeks? Is that possible? I would be happy to. I would be happy to. Yeah. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. And best of luck in the fight. And we will talk soon, okay? Thanks so much, Damon. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go, folks. Lauren Murphy will be challenging Valentina Shevchenko for the UFC Flyweight Championship. At this point, a matter of days away. So make sure you tune in for that. Obviously, want to say a big thank you to each and every person that tunes in to the fighter versus the writer. Uh, we got plenty more to come in the coming weeks. Already working on some new guests, some new co-hosts, so stay tuned for that. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including uh, Amazon, uh, Apple Music, or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and you can obviously find the podcast over at MMAfighting.com. Uh, if you have questions, comments, uh, guests, people you'd like to have co-host the show with me, Please hit me up on Twitter. You can follow me at Damon Martin. And we will see you next week for another installment of The Fighter vs. The Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast came from SAS. 
data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.